You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is the midweek show. It's episode 433, and it is just me. Hey, there you go. I am a poet, and I didn't know it. As we go into a grab bag podcast here, where I think I'm going to go through a little bit of news, then we'll go and, you know, jump into some books that we haven't been talking about on the main show, the main show that me and Jason do every Sunday right now, and, you know, maybe have a little fun. In between, maybe learn something about ourselves as we go through all of this little thing we call life, right? But before we do that, let's go over to the Twitters, shall we? And follow us at WS Marvel Comics. The WS stands for Weird Science, by the way. And if you follow us there, we will follow you back 100%. Then go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com, and then check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where you can, you know, help us out for everything we do here on this feed, all the shows, the X-Men show, this midweek show, also the Star Wars and our main Marvel Comics review show each and every week. Plus, you'll even get more if that's not enough. Oh, my goodness. Have I have plans for you? We end up having our weekly spotlight, two books from that week's books from Marvel that are picked by the badass level of the Get Fresh crew, Uh -uh. the top levels of the Patreon. They get to pick the two books that we feature on a Patreon-only Picks of the Week show. And it looks right now, it seems as if what we're going to have on our Picks of the Week Patreon spotlight will be Avengers 1 million BC number one and Edge of Spider-Verse. Number two, and that show comes out every Thursday night, so that gives you, you know, a little more stuff to listen to. But we're not here for that right now, right? We're here for the midweek show. Some just call it the mid show, though. It comes out weekly, very weekly. Oh my goodness gracious, the jokes are just flowing here. But we're going to go off right now to some news. The woo news. news. And here is the news. We have one news item, and it's a pretty big one. It's something that was talked about before, and a lot of people ended up trying to figure out who was going to be on the Fantastic Four. And with the clues given, the one seemed to be real easy and ended up being real easy. The other one, I think something went wrong. I think that they ended up kind of not getting who they wanted and maybe this wasn't originally the plan because i don't know how it works out fantastic four relaunches with a new creative team in november is the headline following a teaser released during comic-con international san diego marvel comics has revealed the new creative team of fantastic four following writer dan slot's upcoming departure from the title and it is writer ryan north and artist ivan Coelho and I don't mind Ivan Coelho on art I think that Ryan North on this is a big mistake Ryan North is not anybody who really can sell a book and yeah it's Fantastic Four but Fantastic Four struggled to sell under Dan Slott I think that they should have done something a little bigger though I like you know Ryan North enough with Unbeatable Squirrel Girl but what else and really even then I just think that this is not the greatest of ideas. That partly lined up with the teaser, 
which showed a compass arose pointing north and south with the words writer and artist accompanying each respectively north obviously lines up with ryan north as writer but it's unclear how or if the teaser was meant to indicate ivan coelho as his collaborator with the south designator and i think that maybe there was something a little you know something didn't go right with that and they ended up getting ivan coelho this just doesn't seem like it would really point to anything there and here are the quotes here's what ryan north and if you're wondering well, what kind of book is he going to write? What is it going to be about? Obviously, I'm a big Star Wars fan, right? So when he starts talking Star Trek, I can only groan. I mean, who am I, Stork here? I mean, seriously. I want to do these smaller self-contained stories in the vein of 60s Star Trek, where they go down to a planet, find a weird thing, fix the weird thing, and move on, and possibly try to woo a blue alien. North tells Entertainment Weekly, who was the first to announce this new Fantastic Four creative team. And again, I don't know. That seems like it'd be an okay thing for a miniseries. But if we're just going to keep getting these little arcs and going on, maybe it is something that's bridging a gap. Maybe they have this out. And then when we get closer to a movie or something like that, we'll have a bigger writer come in, something bigger. Uh, But he continues, having these four weirdos roll into town where there's a mystery or a problem sounds like Scooby-Doo or some sci-fi thing. Solve the problem, then move on. Struck me as a very interesting way to position the Fantastic Four and tell stories that would feel fresh and not like a retread of what we've seen before. And I, I was talking to somebody this week about that idea of when somebody says to me, man, this is something we've never seen before. Sometimes there's a reason. Sometimes there's a reason maybe that idea isn't great. I mean, comics have been around a real long time and to really get something that you haven't seen before. I'm not saying that it's not something somebody hasn't thought of before. It's just that somebody was smart enough to jump in and say, whoa, 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 let's not do that. Now, I don't know if that will be the case here. It might be something that's fun enough. But again, it seems like a really simple idea from a writer who does a lot of all ages stuff. And if they're going to point it towards that, if they're going to go with that sort of vein, kind of come out and say it right away and let us know what type of deal this is going to be. Because I do think this is, and I'm, I'm not against all ages stuff. Actually, a lot of times I prefer it, but I don't know. I ended up where when I talk to people about the Dan Slott Fantastic Four, while I see some people online telling Dan Slott himself how great the run was, I can't find anybody who read it. I ended up even when Jason started coming on the podcast and I said, well, what books are you reading? You're reading Fantastic Four. He's like, no, I'm not. And most of the people that I talk about in our Patreon Slack chat, all that sort of thing, too. Nobody was reading it. So I'm worried about this as an idea of, OK, nobody was reading that. And is this enough to get people excited? Is Ryan North enough to have people? Oh, my God, Ryan North, I got to get that fantastic four book and i don't think that's the case i don't think that's the case at all Uh, the best that i can hope for is that it's really good and then people start talking it's going to take a little bit though i think that's something that would have to ease in now i'm not saying the first issue isn't going to sell because number one sell plus there's going to be a bunch of variant covers i can assure you of that it's just going to be does the number Three, four, five, does it keep selling after the speculators and the collectors all grab up those first couple of issues and whatnot? 
We'll see. I mean, one thing that you can say is if you do have these little self-contained stories, maybe you can have a lot of first appearances of things. But again, now I'm just saying that they're going to end up, you know, speculators coming in. I I want good stories. I want to have something that's fun. The Fantastic Four was one of those books that I said when we first started the Marvel podcast way back at the beginning of the Fresh Start era. Fresh Start. I wanted to enjoy a cat book. I wanted to enjoy a Fantastic Four book. Those were my two big ones. And I was excited to read some Spider-Man for just about the first time because I am more or was more of a DC guy only having started reading comics in the past decade or so. I'm not a longtime reader of comics. Now I could say maybe I'm getting towards that, but I didn't read comics as a kid, but I always was intrigued by the Fantastic Four. So I really want to have a really, really good run. And Dan Slott, to me, did not have a really, really good run. It seemed scattered. It seemed, yeah, just losing its focus. And then at the end, while The Reckoning War started out like something I thought was going to be really cool, it ended with a thud because it seemed like things were cut off at the knees there and just ended. And it ended up in a way of, okay, we're going to tell you half the things are wishing machine type deal. And and three of these things happened off panel and we have this and that. So Hopefully I'm wrong, but I'm worried. Uh, I'll say I'm cautiously worried mystic. Is that is that how you say it? I don't know. No, it isn't, but we'll go with that. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll be covering it on the show. So we'll see, you know, right away when it does come out in November, because the new Fantastic Four number one from North and Quello goes on sale in November. And I, I will say something as they word that. The new fit, you don't put new Fantastic Four in when you have a new Fantastic Four coming out. Say, I don't know. I don't know how you say it. The brand new Ryan North and Ivan Coelho Fantastic Four comes out then. But with that, that is the one news item. It's a big one. But yeah, I, I'd love to hear what people think. And if this is something that, you know, maybe you, people are just, well, I'll give it a shot. You know, that that's the best I think people can say. Overall, obviously, there's going to be some Ryan North fans out there that will be excited about this. But I'd like to hear from people and what they think about it. And in general, if you want to email any of the shows or whatnot, you can. And we do have an email address. We don't really push it that much. But it's the weird science Marvel comics at gmail.com. And just, yeah, send me an email and let me know what you think. But with that, we're going to go off now to a couple of books. All right, we're going to start with Black Panther number eight. And at the moment right now, obviously, we're having a bit of a fight between whether people want to see T'Challa be recast or if you move on with a new Black Panther. And John Ridley comes in with this book with a third option, which I think is to make T'Challa look like a sus a-hole is what it seems like, because this eight issues that we've had so far has been all about a T'Challa that is not able to be trusted. People are mad at him. People don't like him. In a Wakanda, that's become democratic. All this stuff wrapped in, and I think that if you're with me, this arc has gone on way too long. We will finish it here. But even by the end, when you finish it, it's just like, what did we do here? What did we accomplish? What are we getting on? And it's funny because at the end, you end up having the cover for the next issue and it's T'Challa going off to hang with the Avengers, do some adventuring and things like that. And that's where 
I kind of got that idea, like, why didn't we start with that? Why is it? And it seemed like John Ridley really wanted to write a Wakanda book more than a Black Panther book for this first long arc. And I think that it fell flat. I think that a lot of people got bored. It's not what they really wanted to see out of a Black Panther book, while it might have been better served as a Wakanda book. And maybe that could have been something. But this is, as I said, Black Panther number eight, the Long Shadow finale, written by John Ridley, art by Stefano Landini, colors by Matt Miller, and letters and design by VC Joe Sabino. Now, I, I have said before on our podcast that you end up, and I really do like the recap pages that Marvel does, even if it's something, you know, last issue that you, oh, yeah, I remember that. It kind of gets you in that frame of mind and off you go into the issue. But as a story goes on, If you end up having a really dense recap page, something where a lot of stuff, it it really spells out to me that the story never hit and somebody's worried about that. Either the writer or probably the editors are thinking, okay, there's a lot of concepts here that were not really spelled out well, or they get a general idea that the readership is not really down with it and they need to be reminded constantly of it. And this is a very, very dense recap now it is the finale so you're gonna have a bit of that but there's a lot of stuff flying around in the story that really never hit for me i just want to see t'challa and yeah i love seeing shuri i'm actually even kind of intrigued by tosin who i like to call the vibranium man but all of that going on and at the end i really end up lost of what exactly we needed this for not even just the idea of what exactly is going on it's just why are we doing this why are we showing this and then by the end everything falls flat and it really was upsetting but here is the recap i'm trying to actually avoid reading this recap though i guess i could choose what to do or whatnot on the podcast but we have to read it here we go a new parliamentary democracy of wakanda is under attack A mysterious group targeted T'Challa's network of sleeper agents, starting with the murder of his best friend, Jay. With the help of Jay's partner and fellow sleeper agent, Omalola, Shuri uncovered the culprit behind the attack, Achille, the head of Wakanda's secret police, the hot-cut Zarazi. But when confronted, Achille instead accused T'Challa, calling into question his own political motives. Forced to relinquish the mantle of Black Panther, T'Challa fled to prove his innocence. In the chaos, Achilles sees Bernin Azana, and with both the capital city and the Hatutzerazi under his control, Achilles' takeover of Wakanda seemed unstoppable. Desperate, Prime Minister Falsade begged the people of Wakanda to rise up and fight for their freedom. Few answered the call, but a young man from one of Wakanda's mute zones named Tosin rescued Shuri and joined their band of resistance fighters. Now T'Challa must lead these unlikely allies in a final stand for Wakanda's future. Now, let me take a breath, maybe a drink. I don't know, maybe take a nap. Uh, But we go and we have this final battle here. And we basically have the sides of Achille and his Hatutzeraze against everybody else. You have T'Challa being joined. And really, the thing is, not everybody really wants to fight for T'Challa. They're more fighting for Wakanda, which T'Challa is as well. But you even have Storm here. You have a lot of things going on where you're going to have this big fight. So this issue with the finale, it is a lot of fights. It's a lot of people going and making their stand, yelling Wakanda forever and attacking. Storm ends up being kicked ass. 
You end up having Shuri and Tosin with this little friction. Might be a little bit of a hint at maybe some romance coming down the line. I could see that happening, but also showing that Prime Minister Falsade can handle her own way in this all, and that in the end, T'Challa has to make a stand against Achilles. So you end up having this fight going on, and Shuri ends up planning, and it's a nice enough plan. It's very quick. The idea is T'Challa and his group are going to go attack, just frontal attack. After five minutes, when you end up having the Achille and the Heytutzerazi end up being involved with T'Challa's frontal attack, Shuri, along with Fosade and Tosin, they'll come in on the side and kind of flank them and end up attacking there. You'll end up having a multiple front there, and they think that they can take down the Heytutzerazi. So it does kind of work, but the big play here is T'Challa does have to face Achille. He kind of understands with Achille kind of watching off and he's there in a bunker. He's watching it on a video screen. He needs to confront Achille or this could just keep going on. You know, the idea of defeating this whole deal, they have to defeat Achille. So he ends up saying to everyone, I know how I can get Achille. I'm going to get him with what I have because we're very similar. And one of our biggest weaknesses is our ego. So he ends up calling it out. Now, in that, it is a little eye-rolling that Achille, being who he is and smart, whatnot, he ends up seeing T'Challa come out on the video screen. Hey, Achille, I know you're just hanging out there, you know, in your bunker. That's not what a warrior does. A warrior comes and, and fights. Why don't you face me and show all of your men how great you are? Even the men are like, don't do it. It's a trap. You know that this is just a setup. Of course, Achilles like, F T'Challa. I'm going after him, and he does end up going. Now, throughout all this, you'll keep getting Tosin mentioning how he doesn't like T'Challa, and he'll say it to Shiri and Shiri, like, really, dude? Like, why are you telling me this? You'll also have Prime Minister Fosadi, as I said, step up and start kicking butt. Everybody's in all of her, but really, this just is a straightforward fight, 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 yell, 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 and fight, fight, fight some more issue, too, when you get to T'Challa facing off with Achille, and it ends up being a couple pages of a fight. And it's okay. The art has always been a little bit sparse in this, especially you're out there in Wakanda, and pretty much most of the panels, especially in this fight, either have motion effects behind the fight. You know, I don't really need that to tell me that the fight's in motion, right? Or it's just very drab backgrounds going on while you have Achilles say, you know, you betrayed Wakanda, you did all that, while you end up having T'Challa say, well, you killed my best friend Jay, you're going to end up dying because of that. And even Omolola is there to get revenge for her lover, Jay. So you have all this going down, and in the end, you end up having T'Challa at one point throw down Achille just, you know, almost like body slams him and says, say my name, T'Challa, king of Wakanda. But that kind of goes against everything that we're dealing with right now and whatnot. And I have a feeling that everybody's like, why is he yelling that? I mean, we're a democracy now. He should say, say my name, Black Panther, in my mind. And that would get the whole focus back on the idea I don't know if Jim Ridley realizes this. It's a Black Panther book, and I want to like Black Panther in his own book. I want to enjoy following 
him and seeing some of these adventures that he does. Yeah, I know some people may enjoy this politics of Wakanda. I ain't one of them. I want to see, you know, T'Challa. And that's nothing to do with politics in general. I know everybody has that argument. Oh, politics have always been in here. All that. No, this is comic booky politics of a, you know, made up nation of Wakanda. So to throw it in here, it's fine in the background, but it became one of the main focuses of this book. And I kind of want Black Panther as the main focus. And I kind of want him at the end of this to kind of be on the up and up and say, hey, everybody, I know what I did look sus, but look, look, it wasn't. And it's just not that type of story. It's not the story that John Ridley wants to tell because when you end up having, in, you know, T'Challa say, say my name, T'Challa, King of Wakanda, like I said, I really would have liked them to say, say my name, Black Panther, take it back because even then Okoye had to even smuggle out the, the uniform, the costume for T'Challa to do all this. But what happens then as you have Achille here, Maybe you might want to have him say, I was wrong. You know, I got to go down. But the problem is he's a murderer. He murdered Jay. So he's going to have some problems. And you even have T'Challa almost say, listen, I can kind of forgive the nonsense you did against Wakanda, but you are a murderer. You killed Jay. You're going to have to deal with this. And you end up then where Achilles says, no, I'll deal with it. All right. I'll deal with it on my own and gets his sword and just stabs himself through what might be the upper chest it's it's a weird play as pretty much the big wow moment of the issue not great art not great art in that panel either it's like he's swooshing the knife around and then puts it in but it's just not well played and says a true warrior falls in a sword when defeated as i fall on mine for you my king like almost like that last dig into t'challa who then goes achille and Achille is dead. And then when you have this there, the big play is, okay, this is a Black Panther book that's pretty messed up, but what goes on from here? How are we going from here? So you end up, Storm says, what now? Prime Minister Fosati is the one who speaks and says, now the Hey Tutsarazi will be disbanded. No more secret police, no more royal armies. We'll protect ourselves by a citizen soldier. And you end up, Shiri, that's going to take a long time. And she says, we have plenty of time. That's what we got. Wakanda is forever. I'm like, well, yeah, but where's Black Panther at all this? What's going on? Why why are we getting more Black Panther? Because he's just kind of on the side now, kind of dealing with Achille, committing suicide right in front of him, for him. And so he's like, "Uh, what's going on? So then you have the continuing shade thrown at T'Challa when they say it's done. Lies come back on liars deceptions come back on deceivers and that's from omalola and then t'challa says do you speak of achille or me and she doesn't answer she just grabs the sword and says goodbye t'challa don't think we'll be seeing each other again i'm like what did we do for these eight issues why did we spend this much time for this for this you end up like basically they all should just line up and kick T'Challa in the balls and say, you know what? You're nonsense. So then after kicking him the balls, spit on him and walk away. I don't know why John Ridley's doing this. I don't know why this whole eight issues had to be the I hate T'Challa, the sus a-hole Black Panther book. What a weird arc. And then so everybody leaves. I mean, there's not even at this point where Shuri 
comes over and says, brother, come here. I'll always be with you. Hey, you know, I know times are tough, but we'll we'll get over this. Hey, you know what? You did more good than bad. Whatever. Because that's not what it seems John Ridley thinks. What you end up, everybody leaves. They just walk away. They leave. And then Storm comes up and says, hey, T'Challa, I have to go. There's nothing else for me here. And T'Challa goes, oh, please don't leave me alone. And she basically kicks him in the balls, maybe twice, and says, oh, I'm not leaving you alone. You're leaving yourself alone. Sayonara, sucker. You blow and I'm out of here. And then she goes away. And there is poor T'Challa there in his own book, just there slumped over. Also, nobody even bothered to grab Achilles' body. Where's the rest of the Hey Tutsarazi? Did they just, you know, skedaddle or they kept? It's such a weird ending here where T'Challa's just like, woe is me, Achilles dead, and nobody likes me. And then it says, end of the long shadow. Long, way too long. I mean, again, I can't stress it enough where I'm reading this, and I just want to enjoy a Black Panther book. Maybe you listening enjoyed the Tennessee Coates run. I didn't. I thought that was nonsense. So I just want to enjoy something and maybe. Just maybe show that T'Challa Black Panther is kind of cool. Like, oh, man, he's kind of cool. So it says next, you end up having Black Panther returns to the Avengers just in time for the arrival of a dangerous intergalactic foe named the Colonist, which kind of, you know, might throw some red flags for some people. Will T'Challa and Earth's Mightiest Heroes be able to stop this eerie new interloper? Well, at least on that cover, you end up seeing Cap, Thor, Captain Marvel, that sort of thing. and maybe. This is the play where John Ridley thinks that you have to get Wakanda not liking T'Challa so that he can then go off to the Avengers, which he already is in and is actually the leader. I mean, he's the leader of them, but then he doesn't have to worry about Wakanda. But you still have Shuri back there. You still have the whole deal. So it's such an odd play to go eight issues just to have at the end. Hey, T'Challa, you suck. You're the worst and we're going off and then he's going to put, you know, his head down, his tail between his legs and, you know, pretty much Charlie Brown walk his ass back to the Avengers. But then again, at least we'll get some Avengers action. We certainly aren't getting that much in the Avengers book unless you want to go to the Old West or back to 1 million B.C. What is going on nowadays? But with all of that, I am actually just going to give this a straight five. I said I did not like the art that much it's okay at points but it is very you know plain very empty very sparse and all the things going on and that doesn't help out a story that i just can't grab onto with everybody going out of their way just to hate on t'challa and black panther so we'll see we'll see if this next deal goes but hopefully Hopefully there's something that changes up And hopefully we get something going on Where I actually can smile While I'm reading a little bit of the Black Panther But we'll move on to the next book And the next book is something that I started out Not liking much at all But actually started liking it a little more And more as it went on And that book is Captain Carter Number 5 Now this book again Like I talked about in the Black Panther deal This book ends up getting a bit political at points. And at the beginning of the series, I thought Jamie McKelvey was being really heavy handed with it, really heavy handed. And it kind of threw me off. Now, by the end here, he continues to be a bit heavy handed and he'll get back to it to end. The series gets 
real heavy handed. But in the meantime, changing things up to include vampires, possibly Hydra, you know, and all this other stuff, it makes it more comic booky. And I don't mind it as much then. If you end up having just a series or a mini series like this, and it's just to say, you know what, people nowadays stink and their politics are nonsense, then, then it kind of will rub people the wrong way. But throw vampires in and throw things like that. And I'm like, all right, I could go with that. Vampires are pretty bad, right? They're not good people. So you end up with this. And like I said, since then, you start to get it a little more, you know, readable and actually enjoyable. And even with the idea that a lot of people don't like the new character, Harley, yeah, she's a bit of a MacGuffin. She ends up pretty much solving a lot of problems just because she does. But even then, I've grown to like her a little bit as well. But here is the credits. It's written by Jamie McKelvey, as I said. Art by Mariko Cresta. I think the art is really good. Colors by Matt Milla and letters by DC's Clayton Kells. Vampires on Downing Street. Oh, my. With While Peggy Carter and her friends were investigating Prime Minister Williams' background, they made two startling discoveries. First, Williams put out an alert, calling for Peggy's arrest on charges of murder and conspiracy with Hydra. Second, Williams is actually John Falsworth, a mysterious non-aging member of British nobility with ties to Hydra. Also, he's a vampire. Peggy recognized Fallsworth for what he is, a vampire, and snuck off to dispatch Fallsworth herself to spare her friends the danger. But the attempt resulted in Peggy's capture, and now it's up to Peggy's friends to rescue her and stop Fallsworth before he turns the UK over to Hydra entirely, or worse. Now, we'll find out by the end that that's not quite the case. He is a vampire. That is true. The Hydra stuff is just a dupe. That's the, again, that's like the common enemy type deal, the thing that you end up having Fallsworth want to have people rally around. This is all about passing laws that will end up making him pretty much a new emperor of Britain. And he is a vampire who doesn't age, and he kind of likes the idea of the sun not setting on the British Empire and still thinks they're pretty keen. So all of this is just all about that. It's about bringing the greatness of Britain back with him on the throne and we'll go from there but in that again he's a vampire so you know they do bad things and stuff like that and you know he's bad because at one point he says you know what hitler he had some good ideas yeah that that means that he's bad he's a vampire though but you end up starting out and you have to save peggy peggy went to go get fallsworth she got taken down and as she was being led away she was screaming he's a vampire he's a bloodsucker and everybody thought, okay, she's crazy. And that ends up playing into Fallsworth's hands of saying, oh, my God, I guess, you know, her and that ice really went wackadoo with her brain or brain's mush. We got to keep her away from things. And they end up putting her in this strike facility. Well, the only way that you're going to be able to get in that strike facility is if you have an inside man or woman. And it looks like they're going for the man. And that's Chief Hunter. So you end up having Tony and Lizzie using the holographic and invisibility deal, that Tony tech that they had already used a bunch of times, maybe even too much. But they end up where Tony's disguised as Chief Hunter's driver while Lizzie is in the back seat, invisible. And so when he gets off the phone with actually Fallsworth, who wants uh, Lizzie to be caught, all this stuff going on. And in a nice little deal, Chief Hunter says, Lizzie's our best 
agent and stuff. So that must make Lizzie feel pretty good there as she's invisible next to him. But when she ends up appearing, because you end up having Chief Hunter realize, wait a minute, we're not going the right place. What's going on? You're not Jones, my usual driver. What are you doing? What's going on? And probably thinks the worst. Well, it is then revealed that it is Tony and Lizzie. Lizzie has a phaser pointed at Chief Hunter, and he, she says, you're coming with us. We're going to save Peggy Carter. So they go back, and they go back to the apartment. Well, you have that. You go real quick to the strike containment facility where you see where Peggy is being held and kind of get the idea, okay, it's going to be tough to go and do that. But we're going to get an Ocean's Eleven here, so of course we're going to be able to do that. You just need somebody to go, you son of a bitch, I'm in. That's what we needed, Chief Hunter, to say that. But in the meantime, they try to fill in Chief Hunter about what's going on. Now, you have to remember, they don't know anything about the vampire stuff. That was what Peggy seemed to have figured out and went off on her own. But everything else that goes with this story, the idea that Fallsworth, he hasn't aged. He ends up impersonating this Harry Williams. He's mind controlling people. It's wacky enough. but. Because of how things are going, and Chief Hunter even says, and I think Chief Hunter wants a reason to go and go against Fallsworth anyway, or who he thinks is Prime Minister Harry Williams. He just doesn't like him. But he says, your story's outrageous, but actually it's kind of better than, than Williams, so we'll go with it. In the meantime, then he says, as an aside, yeah, you know, I just, I didn't want to think that Peggy had gone insane. I, he, they grabbed their... And she was yelling stuff about vampires and stuff and that Fallsworth was a vampire. And they're like, oh, my God. And even Tony Stark says, yeah, that kind of works. That, that actually I think he is. And so Harley, as the aside of the every gal there, says, oh, my God, vampires are real. But, hey, there you go. They do realize that Fallsworth is a vampire. And it makes sense then that Jacqueline, who is Fallsworth's daughter, it has an aged whatnot vampire now there is that play of why are they daywalkers we'll we'll have that by the end and again it's kind of just shoved in at the end it's not that impressive the ins and outs of the story but it's okay you end up though where this out of nowhere by the way lizzie i heard that you might have powers and she goes yes i do and ends up levitating the laptop there in the room everybody freaks out and she says and in a weird way she has to keep saying this i'm not embarrassed of who i am but i just know that everybody seems to hate those mutants and i was afraid of my job and people would be against me and i figured you know i didn't grow a tail or fur i love how she shames those people like beast there and nightcrawler like really like really lizzie but she says, I figured I could keep it on the down low and it wouldn't hurt anybody. But you end up having Chief Hunter say, you know, that's not the case. And you know that things like this have to be, you know, you have to disclose this information because somebody could use that to blackmail you and get info or whatever the deal may be. So it's like, tisk tisk. you should have told anybody, but hey, you're a mutant and that's cool. So they go off then to the strike supervision center that they end up having Peggy down below. And they spell out the idea that since Lizzie is on the payroll, she's an agent and a wanted agent, it seems, she can't just waltz through because if she goes through the uh, the front gates, it's going to be able to identify her, even if they try to make her invisible or look different. Plus, they say, Tony, you're kind of all made of metal. 
You're like a real Iron Man's, you are. You can't go in either, but who can go in? Chief Hunter can. He's still just Chief Hunter, and he makes up an excuse that he's there for a spot inspection with who is his assistant, and it's Harley. Now, that's okay, but the idea of, uh, in my mind, if it scans and knows Lizzie is here, uh uh-oh, that goes up because she's not. Why is somebody who's not even in the system, even if you tried to fudge it, it just feels weird. And what you end up doing here is having Harley continue being that MacGuffin deal, being that idea that she can end up hacking everything, even though, you know, this is a bit bigger than that. It seems kind of silly by the end of what happens. But she goes in. In the meantime, you end up having a guy on the inside who seems to be told by Fallsworth, hey, if you end up seeing Chief Hunter come in, let me know because he doesn't trust him either. So you have that going on while Harley is, you know, fiddling with the hackings. It ends up where she can make it seem like there's a fire. Everybody's going. There's fire alarms. Everybody's running out the exit. There's the distraction. They need it for Lizzie and Tony then to come in. They do, you know, trigger the alarm, but nobody's really there to care about it everybody's yelling about this fire and going about and then they start to try you know to get below to save peggy so when they're going there harley looks and says by the way it's a whole separate emergency system for down below the guards have not left their post around peggy we might have some problems all that really is is to leave people there for liz to go and use her powers now, now that she's told everybody about her powers, she's going to go full out with them, and she's just going to take out all these guards. And it's a shame because it's kind of off panel. You end up, she gets there, the elevator doors open, all these guys are there cracking their knuckles, ready to fight. And then the next thing you know, Liz's eyes start glowing, and boom, they're done. And she does pretty much the Luke Skywalker, goes into the prison cell, Hey, I'm Lizzie Braddock and I'm here to save you. Aren't you a little short for a Lizzie Braddock? That'd be a weird thing for her to say. She doesn't say that, but it'd be funny. Uh, she, maybe she'd say, Hey, aren't you a little uh, small to be a mutant? And then Lizzie's like, Oh, yeah, I should have told you that before because that's what they say. Oh, you're a mutant. You should have told me, you, you mutant. And Liz says, I know I should have, you know, we're friends, but I didn't. And let's get going. We don't have time to discuss this. Let's get moving. Because as this is going on and all the alerts are going off, Fallsworth, he may be a vampire. He may be awful. He may even think that Hitler's a cool guy. But he's not necessarily dumb when it comes to the idea of when alarms start going off in the supervision center there's trouble and people are trying to save peggy so he shows up with his daughter jacqueline they go to stop all this and so they end up where jacqueline goes off one way he goes off another you're gonna have fallsworth john fallsworth he's gonna fight peggy while you end up having jacqueline go and fight harley and tony stark so they go and this is going on and tony ends up trying to blast Jacqueline, all this stuff going on, she just starts ripping them apart. She's ripping arms off them and throwing them, saying that anybody who gets involved with her ends up coming off in the short end of the stick. Unfortunately for her, though, that stick is in Harley's hand and she impales her vampire dead. That's all it took as Harley. And again, you're letting Harley do a little too much, but she just walks up behind 
the distraction of ripping arms off of Tony Stark is very great. And so Harley goes and runs the stake through, and Jacqueline the vampire goes up in, you know, whatever, dust. She's done. She's dead. Tony ends up punching the dust, and it all goes off. But pretty cool, right? So in the meantime, then, you end up having Fallsworth, you know, no more need for any you know pretense he ends up his fangs are going full he's fighting peggy and they start to monologue with each other and peggy starts yelling about hydra why would you do this hydra hydra and he says oh you don't realize there's no hydra you know i that's just to pass laws that is the boogeyman that you are supposed to fight to get all these laws you're part of this all that stuff and basically spells out, like I said, that he just wants to bring back Britain and he wants to rule all that stuff. But in the meantime, he just cackles about it. And this is where it gets heavy handed. Then it gets very cliched. The idea where Peggy says, how did you control everybody? And he's there. Don't you get it, Peggy? I don't have to. People are hateful. Have you been on Twitter and Reddit lately? People are real a-holes. They're right with me. This is what they want. I didn't have to. He says, if you think and it's a smart play here where he says, if you think I can use my, you know, vampirism enamoring everybody, I would have done it on you. You can't make somebody do something they wouldn't normally do is what he says, even with this vampire powers. So basically he's saying people are pieces of S here and i'm just giving them the opportunity to show that that's the heavy handedness of it and it really is heavy handed but where you get the cliche which made me giggle because it's one of my favorite things but it's one of my favorite things cuz it's the most goofy thing ever and really there's two things that i really love one is the and it goes right with hydra if we had it the idea of being caught and biting down on a tooth and it's a cyanide pill and you end up dying yeah that's the best right but the other best thing is the open mic, the hot mic. She, as Peggy says, while you have Fallsworth yelling and screaming about how he's duping everybody and everybody's awful and I'm this and I'm a vampire, I'm all that stuff. He doesn't realize that this is being broadcast to the Internet. It's like a Twitch stream going on that Harley set up. So the hot mic gets somebody else again, even though Fallsworth says well, you know, it doesn't matter because I'm already going to be going through this whole bill and all this is going to pass. Plus, I think that maybe and, and in a way, I guess this is what we're playing with. He might even be more popular now, you know, up with vampires, down with Peggy. He doesn't think this is going to affect them at all. This is not, it, this isn't even a bump in the road. We're still fine. But in the meantime, then Peggy has to get rid of him. She throws her shield. And you get the next cliche. And boy, this is a lineup of cliches. The cliche here is the ha you missed. And then you go, oh, no, that wasn't what I was throwing it at. I mean, how many times have we got that? So she ends up throwing the shield. It ends up hitting the shutter release because in this play, this room is dark. The shutters are down. She hits this and the shutters open and the light shines through. Well, if the light's shining through, that should kill a vampire in my mind, right? But it doesn't. And he laughs. He says, really, sunlight? You think that that's going to stop me? That's your plan? Now, in that, you know, maybe we are playing with different vampire rules. Every book can have different rules and every book has had different rules. But we're in a universe here. 
at least, you know, this is the multiverse, but we kind of know the vampire rules with Blade. So with all of that, what is he, a daywalker? What's going on? The only thing that you can see, and, and thankfully, his fancy suit was ripped open at the chest, kind of sexy, almost looks like he's on maybe the cover of some pirate novel, some romance novel back in the day with Fabio, right, with that ripped shirt open. But you see this medallion that he has. And Peggy says, yeah, I kind of realized that you and your daughter, you have these medallions. That's what allows you to be daywalkers in that on cue. You end up having Lizzie Braddock come in and use her powers to yank that deal off of him. The necklace comes off of him. He starts smoking. Not like a bed butt, but says, oh, no, give that back to me. And then just burst into the flames. And that's it. You end up again. I don't mind as much when it's just vampires and stuff. Still heavy handed. Very cliche. And then what we get is, you know, the finale of how things wrap up. You did end up having Harley get slashed in the throat, but she's going to be helped and saved by Tony Stark, who's going to develop. This metal neck for which she then says later, it has auto tune in it. Oh my, she's a regular T pain. She is. And in the meantime, you get Lizzie. She ends up being promoted. She ends up up. Peggy quits. She's like, I don't want to be involved with this anymore, but I'll still help out everybody. And then you end up getting a lunch deal in what looks like maybe Harley or Peggy's apartment where they're having a little fast food. And pretty much when Liz is eating this burger, that burger is way bigger than it should be. That's the big, 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 Big Mac. And by the way, if it's a Big Mac, that's nonsense. One of the worst burgers ever created. Nonsense. That Anybody who thinks that the Big Mac is good, you ain't no friend of mine, as Elvis once sang, because it's nonsense. It's messy. It's not very tasty. It is complete and utter garbage. But. She's eating that, right? And then, you know, Harley was offered a job. She's a hacker, right? And she's like, nope, I'm going to do my, you know, whatever music. And now I have auto-tune, so me and T-Pain, we can team up, all that. And you do have a little bit more heavy-handedness with Peggy, who says, you know, I'm going to kind of lay back. I'm going to help out when I'm needed. But I just have to remember that the symbol on my shield, the British flag, the Union Jack, some people think it's good, but other people have used it to do some sus things. So I'm going to stop sus things by doing good things. And that's what I'm going to do. And plus, I'm going to eat this burger that's not a Big Mac because I'm not an idiot. And I'm going to end up saying that food certainly tastes better now than it did back in the day. Oh, my. Take that, old British chefs. <laughs> my mom's British and she's the worst cook ever. So I agree with it. Just nonsense. So with that, I used to laugh because I would I heard at one point the smallest book ever was Great British Chefs. I don't know, Scottish Chefs, that might be a little worse, right? That might be. Oh my goodness gracious. So I will tell you, I I railed into the Big Mac. I love Haggis so much. I think it's like the greatest thing. Oh my. Uh, give me that instead of the Big Mac. But all in all, like I said, it's heavy handed. But as the series went on, it became something you could have a little bit of fun with. And I did have some fun. And I hope that you saw me having some fun here, yelling about food and different things like that. So with all of that, I think I'm going to go with my classic score. This is a Kiss My Grit 6. Kiss My Grit! 
And overall, I would say that the whole series is maybe a Kiss My Grits kiss 6. Oh, that seemed delayed a little. Oh, my goodness. But the idea of a Big Mac is not a Kiss My Grits. That is nonsense, right? Here's the Big Mac. How dare you? Yeah, how dare you? How dare you even say? And, and even so, I'm not a huge fan of the Whopper either. Even though at one point I did have underwear that said home of the Whopper and it made me giggle. But I don't wear underwear. So there, take that. Take that, everybody. But that's it. That's it for the podcast. It's getting so late. I'm getting very goofy. But I hope that you enjoyed this little midweek show. It's just to have some fun and maybe catch up on some books that we didn't have. Or as we did last week, I had Eric join me to talk Predator. I'm going to try to get more guests to join me. Gabe ended up joining me for that first Ant-Man, but boy, his mic had some problemos, and we're trying to figure that out. Uh, and so he'll probably join me again, and maybe some other, uh, you know, guest stars more popular than the next is what I heard. But everybody, if you like this, please go over to Twitter, follow us at WS Marvel Comics. If you end up following us, we'll follow you right back. Also, go to our website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com where you can read reviews for a bunch of the books that come out each and every week from Marvel. And then if you like the tone of this and everything going on, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science and get a ton of shows that are like this. A lot of Marvel shows, indie, manga, what else? DC, everything, uh, you know, maybe even a black pink, uh, you know, podcast coming up, you know, they are you know, having a comeback and they're going to have pink venom. Their new m- video is coming out like a day or so. Aren't you excited? But that's the all the Blackpink news that you need right now. I'll be back with more of that, I'm sure. But with all that, thanks, everybody. I'm going to go to bed. I, I really need to go to bed. I think you would agree. So with that, thanks, and I will talk to you all later. Go read comics. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.